Do you know, uh, th- there's a passage in the Bible, in, in the New Testament part of the Bible, that, you know, maybe you've read many, many times. Can we read this today? Matthew chapter 1, great chapter, in verses 18 to 25. Could we, could we read it today? I know it's a little bit hard to get your mind there, but could we read it today? Just imagining today that you've never read it before. And to be honest, how you find this passage. Um, from the Bible, because it's talking about the birth of Jesus, and it's talking about the events that surrounded Jesus. And if there's one thing that we as a church continue to exist for, is to present Jesus to people, and to present the message of Jesus. And so I want to read this passage, Matthew chapter 1. Have a, see if you can just have a mindset, maybe for the first time, think how someone who was reading it for the first time might think. That might be even better to help you get your head around it. Matthew chapter 1 and verses 18 to 25. I'm going to just read it from the New International Version. It says, This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married um, to Joseph. Um, so they were kind of like what we would call engagement. But before they came together, it was a little bit different in those days, you know, um, because if you were committed to someone in marriage, it was like you're married, but you haven't gone through any ceremony. So it was a fairly, you've got to understand, it just wasn't like, oh, we're going to get married. No, this was a firm commitment. When you kind of got engaged in Jewish custom, you were, it was like you were married, except you hadn't consummated anything. You weren't together. You were, often the lady was living in her parents' household, and maybe even the young man or the man was living in a house that he'd bought or a house he was with his parents. And so until they came together, but that was like they were married. That's what the engagement stage was like. So Mary and Joseph were pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Everybody go, "Uh uh-oh. (laughs) They probably created a whole set of problems for Mary on its own. Would you agree? (laughs) And especially for Joseph. Uh, There would have been the usual conversations. Did you hear about that young lady? And Mary was just like in her teens, maybe 15 or 16. So consider that. If you're 15 or 16 here today and she's pregnant and mm, interesting circumstances. Because Joseph was her husband. He was faithful to the law. He did not want to expose her to public disgrace because he had it in his mind to divorce her quietly. Let's Let's just let this... Go out the back door and everybody not know about and we'll just, get, just move on. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Go, wow. Wow, that's good news. And, and Joseph said of David, do not be afraid. Um, Joseph, son of David, this is the angel Gabriel. Do not be afraid. Take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She'll give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin. This is the actual prophet Isaiah. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and I call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And verse 24, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife, which was incredibly brave and courageous, this man Joseph. Uh, because no matter even him getting married, there still would have been questions asked, how come Mary's pregnant? You know, and they would have said, well, it was a miraculous conception of the Holy Ghost. Certainly, tell us another story. You know, it just wouldn't have clicked with a lot of people, unfortunately. But he did not consummate their marriage. Here it is, precious Joseph, until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name, what? 
Jesus. When we read this series of events in this scripture, you've got to, you've got to appreciate, and if you think about it from the mindset of someone reading it for the first time, there's some pretty unique things happening here. Um, if, and if we were reading this story you know, for the very first time, you could probably call this story a bit weird and a bit strange, to say the least. Um, Mary becomes pregnant, not by any conventional means. It says the Holy Spirit. Uh, an angel steps into the story and informs Joseph um, to uh, marry Mary. Um, wouldn't we all love that in a dream? God tells us who to marry. Yeah. That'd be great, wouldn't it? Didn't happen that way for me, but close. <laughs> anyway, um, I thought I thought M- Michelle was the angel. You know. Anyway, so. So the angel steps into the story and informs Joseph, this is, this is quite weird. The angel tells Joseph what sex it'll be. It'll be a little boy uh, and, and even gives him the name to call him, you know. And, and though his name is Jesus, people will call him Emmanuel, which of course he is God with us. So what do you call him? Jesus, Emmanuel, you know. Uh, and, and all of these strange events and, and, and interesting events um, there's a good reason for these events surrounding his birth. And so, you know, as much as we may think that's weird, if you're a person reading for the first time, this is crazy. Uh, this is a weird story. Uh, but, you know, I, I prefer to call it unique. And you know why I call it unique? is because there's a, there's a very good reason for the things that were happening. As many of us would be aware this morning, they were happening to Joseph and Mary and how it happened and how it unfolded was incredibly uh, Wonderful and incredibly powerful. And the reason that you and I are even here today and maybe could confess Jesus as our Lord and Saviour is direct because, directly because of what we just read. That's a, that's a reality and a truth. And so I, I, I see that Jesus is more unique. And the word unique means exceptional and it means exclusive to anyone else on the earth. Jesus... I, I, I want to show you how exclusive Jesus is to anyone else on the earth today. How incredibly unique. As we come to celebrate Christmas, may we be mindful of the uniqueness of Christ and all that he has done. And of course, his heavenly father, God, through Jesus. And so the question is, why, is, why would I call Jesus unique? What are the reasons for the uniqueness of Jesus Christ? And the very first thing that I, I could come up with is the uniqueness is his coming was pre-announced um, unlike anyone else in history. In other words, it was pre-announced. It's not like, and it wasn't like someone telling you, hey, guess what? I'm pregnant. You know, it's not like pre-announcing your you know, nine months, I'm pregnant. You know, it wasn't like that. No, it was a different pre-announcement than that. We all, we all like to tell if, you, if, if ladies are pregnant, you'll always, there's always, you know, after so many weeks, there's always someone you want to tell, whether it's a parent or a brother or a sister or a, or a good friend. Uh, you want to pre-announce it. You know, I'm expecting. Um, anybody expecting this morning like to tell us? No, it's a joke. It's okay. Just relax. Um, but, you know, it wasn't like pre-announced like that. It, the pre-announcement was because of what people had foretold literally not only hundreds of years, but even thousands of years before about the events that were happening in Matthew chapter 1 surrounding Mary, Joseph, Angel, Gabriel, and what was happening there. And if I was just to, just to maybe list them just very quickly for you, Isaiah, Isaiah said in 7.14, and this is quite literally hundreds of years before Christ, Isaiah said this, Therefore the Lord 
Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and call him Emmanuel. Hundreds of years before Christ was born, it was pre-announced by this very prominent man called Isaiah. Uh, and, he, and he shared this prophecy about the coming forth of a young lady who would give forth and she'd be a virgin and give forth to a, 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 to a, a little boy and he would be, um, it would be a virgin birth. And then... If we were then to go to another little book, a smaller book, only seven chapters called Micah. And Micah chapter 5 verse 2 says this about the pre-announcement of Jesus. But you, Bethlehem. Who was born in Bethlehem? Jesus. Um, that's historical fact. It's not like even biblical. That's just historical fact. Everybody, in, if you ask any Jew in Israel, I'll say, where was Jesus born? He was born in that little village of Bethlehem. But in Micah 5.2, little book, it says, But you, Bethlehem, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. There we go. He's even where he would be born was pre-announced. And Micah said that literally 700 years before Jesus was born. That's quite it. You've got to just for a moment come with me and think about that. 700 years before Jesus, a minor prophet called Micah stood up and said, there's going to come a person, he's going to be the king of Jews, and he's going to be born in Bethlehem. And it happened. Then, uh, so, so the reality is history is full of people who claim to have had a message from God. And history is full of people who claim to be God sometimes. But we've got to think this through. If you today uh, would think about it, for people, um, if you ever wanted to be able to reasonably claim, be able to believe the claims that people make about themselves or about certain leaders across our history of our world, surely their proclamation or pre-proclaiming their coming would have been foretold by others. And, and, And the way to work out whether that you could believe them or whether you could trust them is that what they some said about them years and hundreds of years ago actually comes true. That's the way. That's the proof, isn't it? It's a simple proof. If you want to prove that a person uh, is testing what they were said about them, would come true. And the truth is, history is full of people like Buddha, Muhammad, Confucius, Krishna, and of course Jesus. So are they telling the truth? Um, Reason says that these people were truly, were truly from God. At least God would do a pre-proclamation about their arrival. And the reason that it's reasonable is because making a claim about something and seeing it come to pass is something you could trust and believe in. Um, do you know companies um, do that? Uh, Apple is very good at that. They'll pre-announce the arrival of the next iPhone several months. Uh, they'll, they'll let out several months before, and they'll advertise it, and everybody gets ready. So on the day they release it, hundreds of people line up at Apple stores before the time of the opening of the front doors so they can go in and buy the latest iPhone. You know, So we see that even car companies do that. They release advertising months before the car is released. So we continue to see that um, if God... Um, Thought it must have been reasonable. You know what? I'm, gonna, I'm going to set up uh, all these people to pre-proclaim the, the events in the, in the life surrounding Jesus so that they can be ready uh, and they can be expectant of what's going to happen. God done a good job. The truth is, if God hadn't done that, maybe someone could have turned up like Confucius or Krishna or Muhammad and said, hey, I'm the promised one. But no, God set it up very clearly. Uh, very clearly, um, 
because we see that Christ's birth was pre-announced, the message he would bring was pre-announced, the friends he would make was pre-announced, what he would stand for, the type of death that he would die, all things that would be pre-announced. And if God didn't do that, it's reasonable to realise that any imposter could appear and say, well, I'm God and I'm the one. Uh, I think God made it really very clear. Um, Muhammad actually says something. He says something about himself. He says an angel appeared to him in a desert and gave a message. But, you know, there's no pre-announcement about that. So how do we ever believe it? Um, Buddha, Muhammad, Krishna had no one to pre-announce their arrivals. uh, But Jesus was different. So much about Jesus. In actual fact, we see in Numbers, there was Moses wrote the first five books of the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And in Numbers chapter 24, verse 17, this is what Moses, literally thousands of years before Jesus was born. This is probably the oldest prophecy about Jesus. It says, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star will come out of Jacob. A scepter will rise out of Israel. Scepter meaning authority. It's talking about a Jewish leader will rise out of Israel, talking about Christ. Um, Jacob, of course, Jacob became Israel. His name was changed. And so it's literally talking about, and out of the line of Israel, down through the line of David, Jesus was born. Because Joseph was the line of David and Jacob. And Joseph was the um, adopted father of Jesus. Not the biological, but the adopted. So Moses proclaimed it. Numbers was written thousands of years before Christ was born. Do you know there's over 300 prophecies that pre-announce his arrival, his life, and his death, and they've, and they've been fulfilled, all of them. Can, can, you might say, you're talking to the choir today. I, we believe it. But, you know, would you just take this into account, the reality? Be solid and strong because Jesus' life is a testimony to so many people who spoke about it in previous Decades and centuries before he actually came on the earth. There's no one else on the face of the earth who is, who has been or ever will be, ever had pre-announcement like Christ did. I think it's incredible. I love it. Do you know there's even historical, non-biblical text? There's a guy called Tacius, the Roman historian and senator in 58 AD, 58 years after Christ was born. He said people, he said this, I quote, people were generally persuaded in the faith of the ancient prophecies that from the east was to prev- that the east was to prevail and that from Judea was to come the master and the ruler of the world. Talking about Christ. Roman historian writing at the height of the Roman Empire saying we all fairly convinced that there would come a Jewish ruler that gave that, uh, that greater than anyone else before him. I love it. Plato, 400 years before Christ. Socrates, 300 years before Christ, spoke of a universal king who was to come. I love it. This is one of the great proofs of the reality of Jesus. As we come to celebrate Christmas, as you take apart your Christmas presents this year, would you remember the reason for the season is the gift, and the greatest gift was Christ. And as we remember that, let's remember that it's an infallible truth, and not only of biblical proportion, but historical proportion about the reality of Jesus Christ. It was prophesied, it was proclaimed. And, it's, uh, and you may ask, why would I emphasize that today? What's the reason for it? It's a good question. It's a good question because what it does, 
It strengthens my belief and trust and faith in my Heavenly Father and in Jesus Christ in a day and in a world where, where it's a troubled place. And, um, and, and the reality is I could trust him to help me. If, if God can organize Jesus Christ, his birth, his life, his death, so precisely and so well and so wonderfully, even pre-announce it and make sure that everything lines up. If God can look after the Son of God, His Son, and look after the, uh, you know, the authority, the King of the Jews, an incredible um, man, but also incredibly God, why wouldn't He also, as I give Him, surrender to Him, also look after my life? If He can organize what He did with Jesus, why can't He do that with your life? That gives me incredible hope incredible trust and belief, and that if I surrender my life and continue to live for God, that he can organize and direct my life so well. In actual fact, we heard testimony this morning of Andrew talking about the testimony of what God can do in our lives. You know, all of us, I tell you, God wants to, he created us, he has a purpose and a plan, and he wants our lives to go well. See, we can be facing uncertainty in 2020, maybe even in this month, let alone next year. Maybe a job will be needed next year. Maybe sickness, they're not sure of how it will unfold in the rest of the months to come. Maybe family issues are uncertain. Maybe life itself has just got some things that are going to create some speed bumps that you weren't thinking or planning on popping up, and yet they did. Uncertainties. Um, if God knows how to organize things ahead of time, like Jesus Christ's birth, I am confident that in him I can trust, and he can organize the stuff that I have to face in my life. What about you today? What about you? What an incredible saviour. What an incredible birth. Here's the second thing about the uniqueness of Jesus I want to share with you this morning. That this is one you're well aware of, but the birth of Jesus split time in two. We're aware of that, aren't we? We, we all know that. But isn't it interesting? Every secular, every Christian organization, every part of the world continues to, to, to recognize the reality that Jesus split time. Um, we call it BC, before Christ, and AD, which of course is talking about after Christ, which means it's a Latin term, but after, it means in English, in the year of our Lord. So he split time. And you know, um, when were you, Joel, when was your birth year? 1999. 1999. Did you realize that you were born 1,999 years after Christ's birth? How incredible is that? Did you know that every time you proclaim your birth year to someone, as I was born 1999, um, um, the reality is what you're saying is, is you're saying that my identity is in the birth of someone else. My birth year is found in the identity of someone else because it's 1,999 years from the birth of Jesus that I was born. Now, the reality is we've got to take that a bit further sometimes and realize that it's not just our, we, don't, we don't just organize our, you know, our, our timeline and our time and our calendar around the birth of Jesus, but we've got to also realize that if, you know, if, you, if we come to Christ and receive him, he can, it's not just our birth year that has an identity in his birth year, but our life can have an identity in Christ as well. But the interesting thing is, here's the point. Jesus actually the focal point of time. He's the focal point of time. All of us have a birth year. 
And that's how many years you were since when? Since Christ was born. We take that for granted sometimes. I can. I can just take it for granted. Oh, yeah. I was born so many thousands, hundreds of years after Christ. But the reality is, is that all of humanity uses that calendar. You know, I wouldn't be surprised in the years to come if there's a group rise up. There probably is a little minority group in the world who says, no, we can't have this. We should change the way because we don't want anything to do with Christ. Well, that's the way the world operates now, isn't it? Are you there this morning? <laughs> Jesus is the focal point of time. Galatians chapter 4, verses 5 and 6, it's a New Testament letter to the church of Galatians. And it says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. Just, can you see just the first opening little phrase there? But in the fullness of but when the set time had come, fully come, or when the fullness of time had come. Uh, it's, so what it's saying is God sent forth his son. In other words, fullness, if you, that's, if in the NIV is fullness. Uh, maybe I haven't got the NIV. But the word fullness actually means, um, means ripe. In other words, everything that had happened in human history up to the moment that Jesus was born into, into the downstairs animal enclosure uh, was building up to his arrival Everything, it's the fullness of time had come. Everything was building and building and building. The Romans had overtaken Israel. Um, they were, Jews were being persecuted. There'd been numerous and many, many different um, you know, civil unrest and wars. And literally hundreds of thousands, millions of people had died. And they'd been struggling, struggling, struggling. And building up to that point, in his, it was building and building and building. And then wham, the prophecies come through, are true. And Jesus was born into, into our world. See, everything was building. Everything was, and finally, when Jesus was born, did you know that the people's relationship with God could be changed forever because of the birth of Christ? No longer was it between people have to get the priest to go and intercede for you to God. No, you could now, through Jesus, come and talk to God yourself through Christ for what he's done. See, everything changed at that moment. Everything changed when the birth of Jesus in that little animal enclosure, wherever it was, uh, somewhere in Bethlehem, he was born. Man, no wonder there was angels, you know, started to sing and, and amazing moments happened then. Amazing. Because every relationship with God was changed forever. Jesus made a way through his life that we could be made right with God and accepted by God for everyone, ev evermore. Everyone could receive it and forevermore. And it wasn't just what we do that made us right with God. Now it was what he did on our behalf that made us right with God, Jesus Christ. What he did, of course, in his birth, his living, and then his death, on a Roman, dying on a Roman cross, made it possible for us to have a relationship with God direct. Not have to call some priest and say, would you pray for me? No, you can pray yourself. Did you know that? God listens to you if you're willing to talk to him. We see through Jesus. So the birth of Jesus split time in two. And uh, I love it. Jesus' birth is the dividing point in history. Did you know that 32% of people on the face of the earth actually believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and received him as their Lord and Savior? 32% of the population. And they say that Christian churches are closing. I think, I don't, some Christian churches might be closing, but do you want to know? There's people coming to Christ every second of every day across this world. And I tell you what, the Christian faith is growing. There's some other religious beliefs that are growing too, but don't, let's, not, let's not say be comfortable about that. 
and say, oh, well, we're growing. No, no, let's continue to press forward and proclaim the good news of Jesus. But quite literally, 32% of the people today believe in Jesus. Um, it's an interesting because Jesus was born in the backwaters of the Middle East, who died at 33, never wrote a book, or traveled more than 160 kilometers. He never traveled more than 160 kilometers from his birthplace, has influenced the world that today 32% of the people on the face of this earth, and there's something like, is it 9 billion? Seven point something, getting close to eight. Oh, there you go. So 32% of that actually believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and receive him. Not just kind of a general, but believe in him. Let's just, oh, he's a nice guy. You know, believe in him, what he did for them. And call him saviour. Thirty. I tell you what, God has always, uh, God has got, got this covered. But we've got to continue to believe it. See, we can identify, sorry, we could, we could deny the impact that Jesus had on the world. So we can't deny the impact that Jesus has had on the world. Every time we share our birthday, every time you share your birthday, your birth year, you're acknowledging the birth of Jesus. And whether today we acknowledge him or not, your birthday is a testimony to his existence. See, his birth could have been seen as weird and unconventional, but it was as just the right time and just the right way and just the right place for all of humanity. It wasn't a mistake. No matter how unconventional Jesus' birth was, it wasn't a mistake. Mary was a good young lady who God chose. Joseph was a good man who, who God. He chose the moments, the people involved, he chose it. It wasn't a mistake. You know, I was um, thinking about that and the reality of all our birth. And there's a lady called, um, a, a lady called Jenny Gilpin. Um, Jenny Gilpin uh, lived in the suburbs and grew up in the suburbs of Brisbane. And um, she married, and some of us here may remember, married um, Dave Gilpin. And Dave and Jenny actually preached him many, 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 many years ago uh, when they uh, actually pre- done a youth camp and preached in our church here in this church many be- around the 1980s. And um, David and Jenny uh, moved because they felt a strong call to go to England and plant a church. And so in 1991, that's where they went. They went to England, and more specifically, they went to a place called Sheffield in, in England, and they planted a church there. They called it the Hope of Sheffield, which has now become Hope City Church. Um, in actual fact, to this point, they've planted over 12 churches in England. They have Several thousand people in those churches. They're all one church in multiple locations, over 12. And it's just incredible. Uh, it's in growing incredibly. Now, you may be wondering why I'm talking about this lady, Jenny Kilpin. Well, her backstory goes like this. Many, many years ago, before she was born, her mother fell pregnant, but in a very unconventional and horrific way. Her mother was gang, gang raped. So Jenny was the, uh, was the uh, result of that gang rape that fateful night. Jenny grew up, her mother told her the story, and Jenny could never, never identify who her father was. Never has been able to identify. Some of those men who gang raped her mother have passed away. She doesn't know her. So she's lived all her life knowing that she has... She became a Christian, obviously, and so did David. And they met each other in church and married and went on. But her, her testimony is, I have a father. He's called a heavenly father. She never knew her dad through horrific situations. And as we look and think about that horrific story, we could say that her conception was wrong, but her life and birth were never wrong. You see, it's the same for you today. It's the same for Jesus. Someone looked at the conception of Jesus and his birth and said, that's wrong. 
because they wouldn't have understood. But the truth is, Jesus' conception and birth was never wrong. It was just perfect. Perfect time, perfect place, perfect people. Perfect in the sense of all it could be perfect. I mean, he was born in a stable with, you know, maybe cow manure sitting in the corner. You know, that wasn't perfect in that sense. But the events of what happened, God oversaw and made sure it happened well. So your life and your birth and your conception and, and your being here is, is, is not wrong. No matter how, how unconventional maybe your birth was or how messed up it might have been or your family, you are not a mistake and you are born for a purpose. So if there's anybody here today like, who's felt that, I want you to know that you can break the chains of that stronghold on our hearts and minds and say, hey, you know, there's purpose and direction in my life. Come on. See, we can have unconventional things happen. It doesn't mean that God is still not loving and caring us for us. Jesus' birth was not a mistake and evil was yours. Here's the last thing today about the birth, about Jesus' uniqueness. Jesus lived his life backwards. And you might say, how does that happen? I want to show you a verse in Revelation, or part of a verse in Revelation 13.8, the very last book of the New Testament. It says, the Lamb who was slain from the creation of the world. The word lamb is a reference to Jesus simply because that's how sins were forgiven in the Old Testament time before Jesus was born. You would be aware, maybe many of us, that to be forgiven of sin, you would bring a spotless lamb, present it to the priest. He would, um, he would slaughter the lamb, the blood would be spilt, and he'd, your sins would be forgiven for another year. You could walk out of the temple and go, I'm right for another year until you come back next year and do the same thing. God would forgive your sins. Jesus was the lamb that was slain once and for all, for all people, for one time. No more lamb uh, sacrifices. We lived in a blessed era, era don't we, right now? Uh, Jesus came. He said, finish with the sacrifices. I'm the sacrifice. I'm the lamb that was slain. And so Revelations now gives credence to that. And it says, the lamb who was slain. But notice when he was slain from the creation of the world. In other words, what's it saying? What's it saying there? What it's saying is this, is that Jesus knew that he would want, from the creation of time when God and the Holy Spirit and him set up the world and said, let there be light. He was there and he knew that he was born to one day die for humanity. He knew it from the start of time. He knew it. It, 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 see, every, even before the world was created, Jesus had agreed he would be slain as a sacrifice for sin. So he, before he was born, he was prepared for death for humanity. He was, the, cross, the cross kind of cast this incredible shadow over the manger. Okay? In other words, Jesus knew that his birth meant that he had already set up his death. And have you ever thought that without the cross, there's no reason for a manger? If Jesus didn't die on the cross, there's no reason for his birth. But the truth, he was never going to die. If he, if he has never going to die for humanity, there would have never been a reason for him to come that particular night in Bethlehem and be born. The death was not an interruption, by the way, for his career. His death was a part of his ongoing life. It was, a, it was the point of him coming in the first place. It wasn't a terrible end. It was a glorious end to a great life here on earth that Jesus lived. It was a glorious end. It wasn't a terrible... I know it's terrible in what we see, what happened to Jesus. Nailed to a cross, beaten to a pulp, whipped. And yet we see that in that Jesus knew that was going to happen because he was born. He wouldn't 
have bothered to be born if he wasn't going to die for humanity. So we see that the cross casts a shadow over the manger in a good way. See, Matthew chapter 1, 21, we just read this verse before. It says, she will, who will, Mary will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Save the people from their sins. He was born to die for humanity. Um, his death was a part of his future. Um, and you can't, and, and if you can understand that Jesus' death, you can understand his birth. If, and if you can't understand his death, you'll struggle to understand his birth. But if you can, um, his death, it's not just, and his birth, sorry, it's not just a nice little sentimental story in a manger with a young lady and her husband. No, Joseph. No, it was an incredible event. It wasn't just, you know, fluffy little lambs hanging around and sniffing and, you know, a lovely scene and the star overhead. And maybe there was parts of that's true. But the reality is it was an actual event that happened for the sake of humanity. And it, was, it, wasn't, it wasn't sterile. It was imperfect in all its ways. But the, the, the way that Jesus came into the world was just exactly what God wanted. For humanity, And it happened for you today and it happened for me. Did you hear that? It happened for you and for me. And the, and the strange events of the birth only make, light in the, make sense in the light of the understanding of why he came. And that was for his death for humanity. And think about this. Jesus was called the bread of heaven. So it was appropriate he was placed in a feeding trough after birth. Jesus was buried in a stranger's tomb. How appropriate that he was buried in a strange—he was sorry—he was born in a stranger's stable. You see, there's always see. It's amazing when you look at his um, death. How many parts of it relate to his birth, or the other way around? That they're connected. When he died, the sky went fully dark for three hours, folks. There was an earthquake. We forget about that. But when he was born, the darkness went fully light, as the angels sung and the star shone overhead. It was like day for a mo from moments there. Isn't it interesting? Just the, 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 uh, the cross references here. See, he lived his life backwards because the cross overshadows the manger. And you and I live our life from the known to the unknown. Because we don't know what's going to happen the rest of today. We've got a general idea. We don't know what's going to happen this month. We don't know what's going to happen next year. But... Um, what I do know is if I know, I can know the person, Jesus, who, who knew his life from the known to the known. He knew what was going to happen. He, he, he was confident in his heavenly father that he was going to live for that 33 years and die. All that was going to happen, he knew. He lived from the known to the known. You and I live from the known to the unknown. Wouldn't it make sense to invest your heart and mind and life into knowing who Jesus is and accepting him and accepting God because he's the one who knows your future because in some ways he knows exactly what's going to, how it's going to unfold so we can trust him in that even though you and I don't know the future of our lives. But we can trust him. I know one thing for sure. Whether I pass away this month or in 20, 30, whatever time, I do know there's a heaven awaiting. I do have confidence in that because that's where Jesus went. And he says, I go, to, I go to prepare a place for you, he said to his disciples. Sounds good to me. Jesus came so that we can have a future. And I'm so glad. Could we stand this morning and we close? Jesus came 
his birth was pre-announced so that we can trust an incredible God that if he can do Jesus' birth so well, he could do my life as well. He split time. Our whole identity can be in him. And then, and then of course, he understood why he, he was born. He was born to die for humanity. And, you know, he was, though he struggled with that at times in his life, he was okay with that. So today, I just want to ask you a simple question. Reality is we stand here. Where do you stand with Jesus today? Where do we, where do we stand with him in what I've just shared in Scripture? And even what you believe today. Maybe your belief today has just shifted from maybe here to, oh, I'm not quite sure about this Christ, but maybe it's shifted up a couple notches today. And you're saying, you know, yeah, there's a strong possibility that what you're saying is right. Or maybe today you've gone from saying, yeah, I've always felt it was right, but I just need to move a little. Maybe you've shifted up the line a bit. You know what? And say, I, I do believe in him and everything. And if you're here today and you're saying to me, yeah, I've got up to this point where I actually believe and what he's done and believe that he is all that he says he is. And I believe he's done all that he said he would do. Did you know the Bible then says at that point we get at that point where we believe in him. It says if you just would confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. In other words, we just verbalize that to him in a prayer or our heartfelt prayer. Um, and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead for you to take your sin and to forgive you and to help you live life then it says, you know what, that's called, what we call today is just a, a commitment or response to him. And at that point, it's a great time to be able to confess and believe in your heart and to actually say, I'm going to just respond to him by committing my life to Jesus and saying yes to him. And I'm going to ask him to help me to live life for him and actually ask him to help me just to, to, to walk this thing and actually become one of these things that in the New Testament says Christian I'm not just a maybe, I'm a definite Christian. Because, you know, you've got to make a commitment in your life. Marriage is a commitment. Um, work is a commitment. Um, there's a lot of things in life that ask you about commitment. Why would not God ask you for a commitment to him? He created you. He's got the best plan, purpose. So today as we stand here, could we just close our eyes for a moment? We're going to sing a song in a moment just to close and we'll finish. But I would love the opportunity. This is what I want to do is just to pray with you where you stand today and to pray a prayer, simple prayer of yes to Jesus. And if you're going to say yes to Jesus, as we close our eyes to give each other a little bit of privacy, you can just lift your hand. I'll keep my eyes open and I'll say, yeah. Yep, I'll see that hand. You can put it down. If there's anybody today, right now, you just want to say, yep, I've got to the point where I not just believe, but I need to respond and make a commitment. Could you just raise your hand for me? Just give me. Thank you. I see that hand. Thank you very much. You can put it down at the back there. Anybody else? We'll just wait. Just keep it till I see it. Keep it up. That'd be great. Anybody else today? We're good? Okay. Come on. We're just going to sing. Just start this song just for a moment. Just sing it, and we're going to pray in a moment. I just want you to think about what's been said today.